This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality, Maggie Mayfield, and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tunes Shuffle. And second time in Los Angeles living. You're originally yes. a Cleveland guy. Yeah, originally okay. a Cleveland guy, yeah. All right. 1984, I moved out here the first time. 84. I was here till 97, 97. Moved back to Cleveland until about five years ago and then moved back out to California. I'm sorry to hear that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you, know, you live in, like, beautiful Laguna Beach. Yeah. Well, we live close. We're in the least of the A-hole. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Close It's to really close. That area. Yeah. And I don't want to uh, – Melissa is here, your beautiful wife. And she is. Who was cuddling with your dog in the cool piano blanket from – what symphony was it? Pacific Symphony. Pacific Symphony. <laughs> and then, also in the room, our last week's guest, Quentin – Flynn, hi. And our de facto booker today. Yeah. You know, we're lucky to have Joni here. Thanks to Quentin, who he's, he's the one of these folks that decided to stay the night. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, So if you hear any voices in the background, that's what's, what's going on. My name is Maggie Mayfield, by the way, your host with David Earl Waterman, directly to my right, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. That's my name. And you've got a lot of stuff going on. I do have a lot of stuff going you on. You just got a new job? I got a brand new job. My wife and I are going to be house parents. That is the Oh so my god! I know. Well, it's the next, probably my next independent film. <laughs> I didn't tell my employer that. I told them <laughs> I was sincerely wanting to be out. No, yeah, we're going to be house parents, and uh, we're really excited about it. And as that kind of unfolds and becomes more and more real, we'll keep our listeners posted because yeah. I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah. with that, and we're very excited. Yeah. And yeah. the other voice that you're hearing today is Jonah Coslin. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for coming yeah, on the it's, show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. For some of our listeners that might not know who you are, which is a darn shame, let's educate them really quick. Okay. Michael Stanley Band. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Guitar player, songwriter, singer for the Michael Stanley Band for many years. And that's not all that you've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was another band that you were in after that for a while. Yeah, I had a band, my own band, a recording band called Breathless. There's been a lot of things through a lot of years, yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? I mean, so many people are, are like myself, are fans, and, and so I'm presuming you're born and raised in Cleveland, right? Correct, yeah. And, and what, what, ha- what were the sort of chain of events that kind of led you to this life? Uh, in a, a nutshell, in a yeah, word. Yeah, in, in one, <laughs> one word. word. Yeah. <laughs> My dad was a professional musician. Oh. I mean, not full-time. He was also an architect. Uh-huh. But he what? played uh, saxophone and he played in big bands around the World War II era. Oh, cool. And so he toured and, and uh, so I started playing some, I played trumpet before I play, ever played guitar when I was growing up. And um, I grew up at a great age, into a great age of rock and roll in, in Cleveland, Ohio. That was a place where everything was happening. You got a lot of exposure to things that you probably couldn't get to most other places. Yeah, Alan Freed. Yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we talked a lot about that yeah. last week as well with Quentin. Yeah, yeah and we were... Uh, you would get uh, CKLW out of uh, Michigan. Is it Detroit? CKLW? Yeah. Out of Detroit. I was asking Quentin to make sure. Uh, that we could great, all hear the head nod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great uh, top 40 radio station, AM radio station, and then Wixie 1260 in, in uh, Cleveland and WHK and 
just uh, the music scene was great there before it was officially the rock and roll scene. You know, what was the household scene like? Uh, Dad's an architect, but at night he's jamming, and mom. It was more a weekend, you know. A weekend yeah, jammer. Playing, they had the suburban jazz orchestra. He would play in that. Okay. Cool. And my mom was a you know housewife, of course, but she was also an artist. She did some drawing and wrote poetry and those types of things. Brothers, yeah. sisters, aunts, uncles, no. grandma living home with you? Or? Uh, my grandmother, yeah, my mom's mom. Yeah, she, she lived was, with you too. She lived with us too. Right? They were. They came over from Germany. And, oh, really? Uh, oh, okay. In the, the late '30s, and escaped out of Nazi Germany. And, no and kidding. In, in Cleveland, yeah. And so the, it was a real sort of all-American family unit right there yeah, in Cleveland. Yeah, okay, it really was. Yeah. And on the weekends, did you ever get to go? Like as a young kid, did you ever get to go backstage and hang out and watch while your dad was performing? No. Well, you know, he didn't really play places that had backstage. You know, he would okay. play more. He played in the high school gymnasium and they would have the bleachers set up and you know, they'd be on a, kind of a raised area in front of the bleachers and him and the, there's probably got 10, 15 guys in the band with a trap set playing and the stand-up bass and wow. the saxophone section and a so trumpet not, section. And yeah, so it's not like it was like boozy clubs with smoke. No, no, and, no, okay. no, it was big band. Okay, they were yeah, yeah. Big band, yeah. Wow. So you're blowing the horn and then playing some guitar and then right. meeting some friends and then... Yeah, what made you pick up the guitar? You're like blowing the trumpet, and then all of a sudden, yeah, uh, you know, the girls were like, "Oh, that's not that cool. You can't play yeah. that at a party." Uh, well, that was it was. Uh, I would if I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only everybody. Yeah. <laughs> play, some, play some miles. You know? I can't miss with miles. Oh, I wish. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my eleventh birthday was uh, February 9th, nineteen sixty, mm-hmm. which was the the year that the um, the Beatles played for the first time on Ed Sullivan. Eleven years old. Yeah, 11 I was eleven years, years old, and and uh, I got the Meet the Beatles album for my birthday that morning, and then that evening they played on Ed Sullivan. That was it for me. I knew what I wanted to do wow. after that. Did you know they were going to be on Ed Sullivan that no, day? It, does, it was the same day. It was the same day. <laughs> I think my parents Happy probably birthday, figured it out. Yeah. I mean, they got me the the Beatles album. Oh, they okay. I knew I liked it, but uh, that was that was it. After that, I, a couple of years later, I got my first bass guitar. My dad started me with a bass guitar. And he's, uh, I said, great. he said, great, you know, you play it, you know, you get in the band, you play it, and in six months, if you're still doing it, then we'll talk about actually buying you one, because wow. he, he had rented it. So six months came and went, and I was still playing, and I said, okay, Dad, you know, I'm still playing, you know, can I buy, can buy a bass guitar now? He said, no. <laughs> I said, no. All American <laughs> fans yeah. getting well. to wind up like those ice skates in the closet <laughs> there. They, you never got the hockey thing going either. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, he said, no, he says, you're going to have to get a six-string guitar. So oh, you, wow. So you, oh. Can, you can accompany yourself. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And that, I mean, you know, quite foresight, because really my thing has been a song. I've been a songwriter. Yeah, I, yeah I guess so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a charting you, songwriter. Yeah. 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 Did Dad have a lot to do with how you learned to play, or was this more self-taught? Or it was more self-taught, though. At one point, um, we took uh, folk guitar lessons together. Mm-hmm. We went to the... To the JCC and uh, on Wednesday evenings, and we both had this gut string guitars, and we went and we learned how to play folk music. And I took off with it, and my dad said, "No, you just go do it," you know, because he didn't he didn't pick it up the same way I did at that wow. point. But it's an incredible time that we're talking about. You know, the Beatles, Ed Sullivan, the '60s, the start of the, the Vietnam War, and this whole age of, of folk music, folk music, right. and 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 youth. You know, that that changed the world. Oh, you yeah. know, and 
you're playing music. You've got, you know, the quintessential kind of all-American family thing going on. But what else? What is the kind of window dressing, the people you're hanging out with, your sense of yourself? Like, were you a, a cool guy? Did you did you have anything going on well, that you can recall that might be? Yeah, no. We, can, no, <laughs> we can't psychologically no, I, analyze you here. Well, I mean, you can, but, you know, it really, when I got into to high school, I, w- I went to a, it's, which at the time was a small school. It was Beachwood High School. Was Beachwood out, High School. Yeah, and and what part out, of Cleveland? That was far east side. It was at that point. It was still a, a, a farm community. Oh, okay. Now it's one of the most well-established, largest, and well-to-do communities in suburbs outside of Cleveland. Okay. But at that time, it was there was really you had sixth through twelfth grade. That was the high school was also all together, school, everything ah, together. Jeez. It, the, the school didn't have a. You know, it had a, a gymnasium. It didn't have a library. It was just a really small mm-hmm. country school at that point. But um, was there a kid or a teacher that was particularly influential? To, to no, ride? no. It was more just the times. You see, this was Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, so talk, you, yeah. Okay. You turn on the radio, and you could really hear. You didn't know what you were listening to, but it was all right there. To be able to hear you know, songs by The Who that probably weren't getting played anyplace else on Top 40 radio, AM radio. AM radio. In the 60s, so you'd hear like a song like Substitute or I Can't mm-hmm. Explain, or you know, as well as hearing all the, everything from the Herman's Hermits to the Freddie and the Dreamers and all of the Beatles stuff, the Rolling Stones stuff. Uh, everything was being played on Top 40 radio there in Cleveland at the time, and there were concerts. You know? mm-hmm. So when I was old enough, my dad just drove me downtown one time uh, and it was just one of those radio station concerts. It was just local bands playing there. And that was the first concert I ever went to. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Okay, but we'll get back to that. Yeah, right. Good, good, uh, I, just, good looking out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <Poor> <laughs> shadow, yeah. So now I remember that was the first concert. Okay. Uh, and it was just so exciting. It was, As it turns out, one of the bands that played, I figured out later on, is a band called the Grasshoppers. Oh, gosh. And Benny Orr, who is later the bass player in... Um, the Cars was from Cleveland, and he was in that band. Hmm. So, what is one of the most surprising things ha- growing up in the Midwest and then being such a huge part of the music business? What was one of the most surprising things that you learned about the business side of music? Well, I, <laughs> you know, I'm not much of a business person. I'm mm-hmm. really not. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an artist. You know, it's like I like to say, I'm a. I mean, Michael Jackson used to say, I'm a writer, not a fighter. And you know, mm-hmm. I say, I'm a composer, not a brown noser. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so that's, that's uh, you know, the business side of it, I was never good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I relied on other people to do that. Uh, as it turns out, Cleveland had some very strong business people there, the Belkin brothers, um, who were the big concert promoting act in in Cleveland and then in the Midwest as well through the years. Um, they later branched out into managing acts, too, and they were the first managers for the James Gang, which was Joe Walsh's band. And Joe was also out of out of uh, the Cleveland area. So that's that's the way that I went. The whole thing for me was just really about the being creative, you know, and, and the music and the energy that came from that, the songwriting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, when, once I discovered songwriting, once it happened for me, which is around the age of 17, it just never stopped, and I was writing all the time. Um, What's that process like for you? Do you like to set like aside time or just let it come to you? I just let it come to me. And it used to be a constant thing. Uh, when I first started off, I'd be playing. I always played acoustic guitar when I wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but years as years went by, I never picked up a guitar. I would just write entirely in my head if I was in the shower or I was driving the car. I, you know, the songs would come to me, and I would have a little tape recorder with me, and I'd sing it into there, and, and then later, you know, come back to it and write it down. Yeah, it was just—it's just the most natural thing for me. I don't do it that much anymore. Um, I still—I'm still recording, but as it turns out, I'm recording most of the things that I've so many songs I've written through the years. Yeah. So I go back and grab a song, you know, from the, the '70s, one from the '80s, and then you know, and just one as I go along, I'll just grab ones that I really like and record those that I've never seen the, the light of day before. Yeah. I tell my I, uh, I'm a broadcast teacher for a school in Huntington Beach, not too far from where you are, and I tell them all the time, like content never expires; it never goes bad, yeah. right? So we can always revisit that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it evolves too. You see the mm -hmm. you see the changes in the culture; it keeps coming back around again. Mm -hmm. People say to me, "Well, the people my age will say, you know, oh, I don't like rap music or you know, hip hop." Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, I don't understand it. It's not my generation. My dad never said a bad thing about rock and roll. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, there's nothing, I don't have any problem with rap music. It's just not my music. You know, it's not what I grew up with. It's not what I relate to. The, the way it's put together is not what I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm too old for it. <laughs> it's just, it's like learning something new with that. I, I don't, I'd rather concentrate on what I know at this point in my life since I know it so well than having to grow yeah. and, and accomplish a whole new uh, art style, you know, music style, to fig figure that out. Um, and they say, well, don't, you know, P -P kids don't play anymore, you know, real music is going to, I say, well, it's not, real music hasn't gone away. Say, and it'll come back. Yeah. Because people will, people who are musicians are musicians no matter what's going on with the rest of the culture. They have to play. They have to master an instrument. They have to write. Yeah. It's in them. It's there. It's not going away. It'll become popular, you know, become pop culture again at some point. It'll come back around again. And then is people will be playing instruments again. Is there a, a young band post-1990 that you can think of that you are like, wow, they really got something special going? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that doesn't mean that there's not. It, it of means course, it, of course. I mean, I, I kind of stopped listening. Like Father John Misty. Hmm? Father John Misty. Yeah, I like Father John Misty. Okay. Father, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Father John Misty is great, but Father John Misty is like the – is like the illegitimate child of Elton John and John Lennon. You know? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's what he sounds like. He sounds like Elton John and, and John Lennon. Sure. See, I have no idea. Yeah, he's, he's just he's an incredible piano player. His music is really melodic, is really intelligent, and really psychedelic. Oh, okay. Yeah, but cool. not, not like in a loose way, but like in the Beatles sort of way, where uh -huh. it's, it's very sophisticated psychedelic. You know, he's, he's a great talent. You know? There's other people like that, too. I just don't happen to know. Mm -hmm. who they are because I don't yeah. that's not my main thing now is, yeah know, not listening to okay before we get into your songs do you <laughs> remember hearing a song that you wrote on the radio for the first time I do one <laughs> 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 of my favorite stories <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I I probably heard songs before but the one that I remember clearly yeah. was uh, the second album that Michael Stanley and I did together <coughs> it was called Ladies Choice <laughs> and I had written the song Ladies Choice um, I like I said I wrote a lot of songs and Michael and I were always roommates when we were on the, we were on the road and I would pull out the acoustic guitar and play him the latest thing I I played him the song Ladies Choice and he he, he said I love that you know can I do that? Can I sing that? I said, yeah, go ahead. I don't think I'm going to do anything with it. So we ended up cutting it for the second album that we did together, uh, which became the title song, uh, title, title cut of the album, Ladies' Choice. And uh, we loved the album. We were working with a great producer, Bill Simzik, who worked with the, the, the Eagles and Jay Giles and B.B. King. and I mean, the list goes on and on. Just a great producer. So he did a wonderful job with this fresh young band that we were at the time in our early 20s. 
Uh, and I remember being in my uh, my Mustang, my Ford Mustang. Mm. Uh, it must have been maybe 75. It must have been 75 or 76. And uh, the, the big radio station, I believe at that time, was Wixie 1260. That was the AM radio station. Wixie 1260. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there, was, there was already what they called uh, progressive rock stations, the FM stations at mm-hmm. that time in Cleveland. Uh, but there was still something about the AM station because that was top 40, and that was what I grew up with. You know, when you had a hit record, it was a number one 45, right? <laughs> and so I was driving home. I just had pulled in front of the place where I was living and had the, was listening to Wixie on, the, on the, the car radio, and I think the car only had an AM radio, uh, and Ladies' Choice came on. And I, that was just like the coolest thing I'd ever heard. Because there it was. There's my song. There's my, you know, two minutes and 45 seconds. I wrote that. That's our record. They're Did you have to pull over? Or were I, you I, I, fortunately, it was already pulled over because <laughs> I might have crashed the car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then you ran inside and called Michael and you were like, we're on the radio. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. That is, I mean, that is still a rare and, and wonderful, wonderful experience. It's, it yeah. is. It's really it's just such a cool thing when it happens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you really, as much as a musician, a, a composer, a songwriter does it because it's in their blood and it's like breathing mm-hmm. for someone. Yeah. When you when it goes out there and it's actually available and you know it's reaching people and they're hearing it as people you may never meet, you know, they're, they're just right now they're hearing it too. You don't know who they are, but they're hearing it and maybe they're liking it. There's nothing like that feeling. That's and actors yeah. and musicians are always, you know, there's this obligation, it seems like, to just be humble and like, well, I, thank you very much, you know. <laughs> thank you very much, Cleveland, you know. <laughs> maybe you'll yell it, but athletes get to slam the football, right, and it's right. such a solitary experience, you yeah. alone in the stangs. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Great oh, story. So well, cool. I'm so Here excited to dive into your songs. <laughs> Jonah, this is your song number one. Here we go. <laughs> All right, the Four Seasons. What's up with that, Sherry? Where does that song take you? Okay, I'm, uh, I'm back in South Euclid, which was... Uh, South Euclid. South Euclid, uh, Ohio, which is one of the suburbs, really middle-class suburbs outside of Cleveland on the east side. And it was uh, full of those little ticky-tacky houses after World War II. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, my, my, you know, our, it was just the four of us at that time. Um, I was over at my friend's house who was just across the way, my best friend and uh, I had this single You had it? I had the single, the four season single and I loved it and so it was my, myself, my brother who was two years younger than me What's his name? His name is, was Kenny, it's Jai Singh now Jai Singh okay. mm-hmm. and uh, my best friend Jerry and his, his little brother and the four of us would put on a 45 and we'd be the four seasons oh, cool. Oh, very yeah. cool, very cool, yeah, very cool. And, and I would be, of course, I'd be Frankie Valley. I'd be <laughs> <singing Lee>, Obviously. <laughs> what a voice. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing like oh, it, right? It was way yeah. before Angus Young. And of course, the be- the coolest thing is probably the, why don't you come out? Come out, come out. Yeah. Come out. Right. And that was my brother had that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just, that song... To this day, I just think it's so cool. And, it, you know, the, there were so many hits that the Four Seasons had at that time. And, and they, they, you know, they had some more through the years, too. I forgot them f- about them for a long time because uh, I was so overtaken by the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, the, mm-hmm. the whole British invasion. And, 
and then taken off after that with the the San Francisco sound and acoustic sound and folk music. I forgot about the Four Seasons. It's kind of for a while. I've been, I think I didn't think it was cool enough. And that's you know? doo-wop, right? It's doo-wop. That's yeah. doo-wop, and they're yeah. okay. And the, their uh, keyboard player, I can't believe I forget his name now. Anyway, he wrote all the songs, right? Okay. He, uh, and he was a producer too. Just a brilliant guy. He wrote all that material. Shoot, I can't remember his name now. Um, so they were self-contained unit, like the Beatles were. I mean, of course, mm-hmm. it was John and Paul and, and George sometimes that wrote all the Beatles material. But the Four Seasons, you know, they... They were a band. They were, they were a band. Um, they had just a great uh, great sound, but they had great songs. Mm-hmm. You know, every song that they had, so many hit records, and those were all just really melodic, uh, great performances, um, they still stick, you know. They, they did the play, the Four Seasons play, whatever that's called. Um, I, I was trying to think of it. Yeah. The, it's that Broadway thing, right? That's and that's now. yeah. Who's well, in the bullpen right now? We got con- Jersey Boys. Jersey Boys, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, oh, that music was just so fabulous. Coming back to it now, and when you think about, you know, your your station and life again, I mean, that's kind of what fascinates us a lot here too. Is like what was going on around you. You're over your buddy's house across the street. Right. It's a new release at this time, right? You know, by Frankie Valley and um, were yeah, you? That was um, that's uh, 1962. 62. Right. So okay. I was Ten years old. Yeah, and this is kind of right on the cusp before the the, the British invasion. Right on. The so cusp, this is kind of yeah. the last of the, yeah. the rock and right roll on the 50s. Cusp. Yeah kind of thing so right. were, were you stylizing yourself at that time was no, clothing no. was not an important thing no 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 it was you know i was buster uh, browns and no, I was in, wranglers i was in fifth grade oh okay yeah. okay <laughs> you wore what mom told you to wear yeah, i did yeah, yeah. clothes yeah. were laid out on the bed yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay I never gave it a second thought i think okay. i had one of those butch haircuts um, <laughs> perfect um, oh my god were you a good student uh i was an okay student you know i was Best. i was um I had was pretty much in my imagination. That's really where I lived. So mm-hmm. I, was, I wasn't real focused on studies and stuff. I was more into creating things. And mm-hmm. That's really what, what my forte was. If you can have a forte when you're 10 years old. I think you can. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That was, where mm-hmm. I, that was my leaning. Mm-hmm. It always mm-hmm. has been. In school, did you have to join the band or the orchestra, the choir? Or did you have to, like when I was in school, we had to learn how to play the recorder in third grade. Oh yeah, and then you got to. Now that you mention it, yeah, we did do that. Who to play the recorder? Yeah, we played the recorder. Yeah, that's great. And then when uh, when I went to uh, junior high school in in Beachwood, then I joined the band. That's when I uh, really picked up the trumpet and started playing the trumpet. Yeah, played that for a few years till I. Isn't that what you have to play to get (laughs) to the saxophone? Isn't that what they make you do? No, they play clarinet to get to the saxophone. Okay, Mm -hmm. because it's two different types. The ones with the reed and the ones with. Oh yeah, duh. Mm -hmm. Who was the band leader at Beachwood? Someone was just asking me the other day. Not a very memorable guy. Not a very memorable. No, no, he was actually. He, you know, he was there the whole time, and, and uh, somebody you could relate to. And yeah, well, I, you know, I think probably part of it is I blocked him. I was third chair for three years. I could not getting out get out of being third chair. No probably. kidding. Yeah, I just it wasn't my thing. I couldn't. I didn't play that well. Oh. my tone was not that good. Interesting. Yeah. And that probably had to do with reading music too. I was kind of slow picking that up. Oh, okay. The guitar, you didn't. I mean, you could read music, but really, it was like listen to the songs, learn the chords. Yeah, yeah. You know, play it, play along with the records. That's how you learn. So music in general, it didn't always come easy. It was something. It like always came easy, but learning it didn't come easy. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, I knew what I knew. Uh huh. Do you read music now? I can, but I don't really. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think like Elton John. No, 
Someone really big like that doesn't read music either. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, because he's blind. Oh, um, that was so horrible. <laughs> that was so horrible. I, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that I did that. I, it was just laid out there for me. Let's go to song number two. Well, I want to lay the nugget on this one because oh, it's yeah, adorable, okay, and okay. I've never heard this before. But this song was actually called Terry. And then they eventually settled on Sherry because the producer, Bob Crew, his best friend's name is DJ Jack Spector and had a daughter named Sherry. So they went through a lot of different... And it was Bob Crew. That's Bob Crew, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So his best friend, Jack Spector, his daughter. Yeah. Random. Now you know. It was an Aerie. There was a there was an Aerie. Yeah. T- they Terry. needed an Aerie. Terry, yeah, Sherry, sure Barry, Mary. they were like, oh, Mary. that's a little bit of a boy's name, yeah. I would yeah. love to see that recording session where they're trying all the different names. <laughs> and then when they, did it with, <laughs> when they did it with Terry, every time they do it, it would take against the microphone. <laughs> Pop it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then Larry oh. Larry didn't work. Larry. Oh, no. Okay. We're not going to do Larry. Baby. <laughs> we're not singing to a dude. <laughs> no, not, not in 62. No, no, not yet. All right, here we go. Song number two. Everything, anything, and everything. Oh my God. Chuck Berry, Maybelline. Mm-hmm. Why that song? Who, what, where, when, why? That was his first uh, record. His first hit record. Maybelline. Maybelline was right. And that was what year was that? Let me look at my iPhone. Fifty-five. 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 You know, this is uh, this is the era of driving in those kind of cars. And I remember my <laughs> my dad. I heard the song in the car. That was where. Oh, that's where I remember hearing this. That's just car. Car. I think it was a Chevy. You know, one of the ones with the blue fins. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure they're Very like a Bel Air, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. Yeah, and uh, so I heard it in the car, and I just thought it was. It, it just stuck in my mind the racing part of it. You know, they're going up the hill, and the, <laughs> the car's heating up, and he's trying to catch up to her, and and that just. Totally captured my imagination. Sometime later, not 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 very long, maybe a year later, whatever like that, my dad came home one day and he goes, I got a ticket. I got a, <laughs> I got a speeding ticket. There's, there's a hill, Cedar Hill in uh, Cleveland. We're coming up from downtown, up into the suburbs. <clears throat> and uh, it was like five lanes. You know, it was before there was freeways and stuff in Cleveland. And so you get a whole stack of cars that would be coming up the hill. Uh-huh. And... Uh, they do just all. He, I remember him saying, you know, they would everybody would be going the same speed, only they would pick out a car, you know, pull it over and give them a ticket because they were all going too fast, <laughs> and that's how he got the ticket. So forever, I've had those two in my mind, you know, that <laughs> I could just see. And Maybelline is the is the back yeah, is the back beat to that whole right, scene. Yeah, because she's you know driving up the hill, and Chuck Berry's chasing her up the hill, and my yeah. dad's driving up the hill, and he's getting a ticket. And <laughs> <laughs> That's Gone so like a cool breeze. Were oh they like, was God. he a good driver? I mean, yeah, was that like a first ticket no, kind of? Well, I don't know if it's a first, but he was a good driver. <laughs> my, there's a story like that. My grandmother was like very adamant about not making left turns, so she'd go out of her way to make a right and a right and oh, a right yeah. again to not make a left. She didn't speed; like she was very, very safe. Except one time, there was a bee in the back of the van, and she wasn't paying attention, so she sped up and got pulled over. And she was like, "There's a bee in the car." They don't one care those yeah, rotten like, yeah. cops. <laughs> so hearing Chuck Berry on the radio uh, at the time when Chuck Berry was on the radio for the first time. Yeah. Was that like a pump-up thing for like? I mean, for me, AC/DC. When I would hear some of that stuff on yeah. progressive radio, yeah. um, and I, you know, I certainly love Elvis and, and Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and, and that, that whole that, that whole sound. But 
is it is it that kind of thing for you when you hear it? Does it does it motivate you? Well, in, it goes in, you know, in a life for, way. For me, it goes all the way back to the core. For me, it's just go to the core. Before I knew anything, you know, before I knew anything different to styles of music, my dad would listen to the to radio in the car. So it would mostly be mm-hmm. Top Forty radio and other other things too. And there there'd be records that would come home. He was really into jazz records and uh, Stan Getz. You know, he would listen to, to that type of stuff. And uh, but. I wasn't comparing anything, you know, at no, that no. age, you yeah. know. It just was that there it was, and it had that beat and that sound, and it was about driving up the hill. <laughs> and it told a great story. You know, it really told a great story, and that stuck in my head. Yeah, it just seems like you were able to kind of just take the ride, you know, the things that were happening in your world and the things you were hearing and seeing and experiencing. It was, yeah. it, was it just seems kind of for you so natural. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the rhythm. Yeah. It was just the rhythm. It was I'm a, a conniving bastard. I'm a manipulator. <laughs> <I've made it laughs> I'm two-faced. I wish I could be that way, more to kind of just let it happen. I think you are more than you In my third credit. life. In my third life. I've got a few more to go here. Awesome. All right, here we go. Song number three. Three. Every day I get in the queue to get on the bus that takes me to you. Somebody's a voting age at this point in their life, I believe. You must be voting age. Oh, wow, not Hello, cool. the Who. It's called Magic Bus. <laughs> Why this song? Well, the Who. <laughs> you know, the Who were. Um, they were uh, one of the first bands that I really got excited about after the Beatles and the Stones, and then it was the Who, and uh, they had come out with uh, "Can't Explain." Um, gosh, I'm not even sure what year that was. It, it was really, really at the beginning of the the British invasion. Um, Magic Bus to me was kind of the the second wave of of Who songs that I heard, and uh, it was before the third wave, which would have been the stuff from. Uh, the heavier stuff from uh, Who's Next, mm-hmm. and and Tommy too. The Tommy was kind of in kind of a transition between the two of them, but um, <coughs> I loved that it was acoustic guitar. I loved it that uh, uh, I loved the way that uh, Roger Daltrey sang it. He had such a great voice. It was another one of those songs. It's a story song. I love story songs, and a lot of the stuff I write is, is story songs. And, and then at the end of the song, after this acoustic thing with the percussion. Then Keith Moon comes in and goes crazy, which mm-hmm. whatever he would do that, would, I would just love it. Like he did the same. He'd always do that. He did it on, you know, at the end of um, My Generation where it goes into complete meltdown. And to me, that was just such a magic thing that he would do and the band would do when they would completely blow up. Can I drop a nugget on you? I sure. Was, I was waiting for that. Your beautiful wife hates this song. Oh, I, I know that <laughs> nugget, yes. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the mic for a second, and I just want you to talk about why, what, what about it. I'm not sure what. It just, it, it, it's never really struck me as something I enjoy listening to. Fair enough. <laughs> Straightforward. Where, where did you hear it for the first time? Do you remember? No. <laughs> She's like, turn it off! Yeah, right. Yeah. She didn't listen. That's. Uh, <laughs> is this a point of... Um, Contention. Contention. Thank you. Uh-huh. No. Isn't it your household? You're like, no. he turns it on and I leave. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but not really. I get a sense this is a very rare occurrence. Um, but the fact that it's a top five song happens to be picked. That makes this very yeah, uniquely interesting. He, he loves it. And when yeah. he plays it, I go, oh. and I, <laughs> <Okay>. I, <laughs> and I go, 
go into the bedroom and close the door. That's love. Like, and put on I sticks. <laughs> oh, okay. Now we're talking. I can go down that road very easily. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah, can get, I, yeah. I actually forced him to go to a sticks concert. It was Dennis the Young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw him in Syracuse at the Carrier Dome. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, to Riverside. So. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Come sail away? No, no, not. Yeah, come sail away. Yes, come sail away. Grand Illusion. That's the tour I saw. How did we get from Magic Bus to Sticks? This is really a, a wide tunes wacko yeah. right now. But uh, gosh, it's in uh, the Who was happening for you, and and but specifically Magic Bus. It, it's well, it, it kind a, of encapsulates was, a lot of what the Who is. I don't even know if it's that. It's just I was so intrigued by it, the, mm-hmm. the song. It, I found it to be so interesting with the percussion, and I think part of it for me is is uh, now, anyways, to go back and listen to it and see the way the band played together, and the way that uh, Pete Townsend imagined the whole song, the lyrics of the song, the melody of the song, and the way that he and Roger worked together to build it. You know, the the, the sound of the record, which they carried through all of their records together. Uh, the sound of that record, made, it was always a thing with the Who that they were, the energy was always building to the point where it exploded. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that's, was so intriguing to me when I was a kid. Nobody else did that. No, you know, and, and Keith Moon was was uh, the drummer in England for a long time. I remember reading about how when Led Zeppelin got together, that they'd actually they asked Keith Moon first if he wanted to come and be in the band because he was the guy at mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. Did you have I call this the older brother syndrome, but the, the the person in your life that introduces music to you was that you for your brother, or did you have a friend that was like you have to hear this music? Uh, I just picked it up myself. You yeah, know, nobody ever said that to me. No. Was there like a record store that you would go to in town that you would go check out stuff and made friends with the clerk and they were you know? Not really, no. No. You were just like cool. A, you were was, on it. You just knew. I was a, I was a radio guy. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to the radio, and and I think I, I I probably picked up some of the teen magazines too if they had something on the Who in it or something like mm-hmm. that. I would pick those up. Mm-hmm. I was interested in the, in the, the the English bands that had the the weird haircuts and wore the the funny shirts, the pop art shirts. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. But at seventeen years old, I mean, that's when it. That's when it started, and it never stopped after seven. The songwriting, yeah. The songwriting. So, uh, and and where 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 did that where did the collaborations happen, and who were those original collaborations with? Like, it was you were writing a song. How did what you were completely solo getting it produced? I was just completely solo. Yeah, I just wrote. I picked up the guitar and started writing. And and then the the collaboration with Michael Stanley would be much later. Yeah, that came much later. That came when I was about twenty two, twenty three, twenty three, I think. Yeah. So still very, very young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, not at the time I wasn't. I mean, yes, it was very young, but I didn't feel like I was so young at the time. No, I didn't, huh? Yeah. Okay. So you had established yourself independently, and then from there it's... Well, you know, I played folk clubs and stuff like that. I played as a solo. I had been in a couple bands, and one of the bands that I was in <clears throat> I played uh, at uh, John Carroll University, which was outside of Cleveland. And we had opened for, I think, Pure Prairie League. Oh, cool. And a uh, guy that I'd gone to, to high school with had been a DJ, was a DJ at one of the local stations, and he was there. Uh, and he, I think he introduced the bands or whatever like that. And so I said hi to him or whatever, and he saw my band. And as it turns out, a couple of years later, he was managing Michael. 
Michael Stanley. And mm-hmm. so he said, you know, Michael said, I think I'm going to put together a band. And, and David said, well, you know, I know this guy. I just heard him play a while back, and he's really good, and I went to high school with him. In 17 to 22, you were making a living as a songwriter? No. <laughs> no, I was, okay, th- th- think of what year this was. You know, 17 was 1969, right? So I was, oh. hitching, I was hitching around the country. Oh, okay. I was sleeping on couches. Okay. You know, I was, living the dream. I was Freewheeling. Yeah, yeah I was Freewheeling. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. was a hippie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was making it work. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? My guitar on my back. Hitching around the country? Yeah, yeah. I lived all How over How far the did you get? From Camden, Maine to uh, Santa Fe to Seattle. To wow. Yeah. I mean, Any standout passengers or, like, drivers that you remember? No, not really. No. Never no. ever felt, like, unsafe doing it? It was just like... No, no. I, Sticking the thumb out? Yeah, sticking the hum out or calling up and saying, hey, you know, I'm going, you know anybody that's going? Oh, yeah, my buddy's going from school. You want to tag along? Yeah, sure. Throw my my backpack and and, uh, sleeping bag in the trunk and off I go. Was Forrest Gump a fictional character, or was he really around during that? Did I didn't you? see him, but you didn't. Uh, but I didn't run into because I've him. always been kind of <laughs> like that. That's a lot for a lot of us. That's the that's the embodiment of that period of time. Right, but right. no, I my, uh, I was born in '64 and '69, '70, '71. I was a flower child, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was kind of free willing with my mom and and upstate New York and around those those areas mm-hmm. and have a, you know. A bit of a memory of that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, well, I was communal living. Yeah, I was just right in the middle of it. I went to Woodstock. My buddy, yeah. my buddy was lived in Long Island, and he had worked at the uh, the Fillmore East. Oh, and, okay. And uh, I went up that summer and, and stayed at his place uh, on Long Island. And uh, he said, "Well, we're going to go to this festival. We first we'd gone to the uh, Atlantic City Pop Festival, mm-hmm. and then he said, well, there's this other one we're going to go to this next weekend.' So and get ready for it. And it turned out to be Woodstock, and he was working. He was just, uh, working on the stage there. It, you were, he he was there. or You were there too. I was there too. We all went, you know, just to s- and watched the show. And he was working, kind of working on the stage. <laughs> but he got us backstage anyway for a little while. That's just, I mean, for myself and I, but many others just gives chills, man, mm. uh-huh. to actually meet uh, a person. My mom was supposed to go, but she didn't make it. Yeah. You know, I, I remember. I remember that time. So you you were up there in, in good old. Yes, I remember. We we took we humped on the, hopped on the back of a pickup truck on uh, Monday morning. I guess it was, and and Jimi Hendrix was playing for the sun coming up. You know, wow. playing the Star Spangled Banner, and we drove away. It's funny because recently I'd seen Jimi Hendrix several times. I'd seen him that summer. I saw him the first or second time he toured. He played at uh, Cleveland Public Auditorium uh, with the Jimi Hendrix Experience, and I'd seen him a bunch of times. I loved Jimi Hendrix, and it was just great mm-hmm. and when the, the night that he played or the morning that he played uh at woodstock as we were driving away i was just sitting there thinking man that you know i've seen him he's really good this was not really that good <gasps> you know so here he's playing star spangled Banner, which is the big thing you know about yeah. and that recently i saw someone else write about that too well there's been some great documentaries there's one right now on netflix going around that's yeah. i don't know if you've watched any I of those <clears throat> you're, yeah. you're you're shown prominently in it no, yeah, you can, <laughs> the back of my head. Yeah, yeah there's these aerial <laughs> shots where I'm sure millions of people. There I am. Look, yeah, there. I bet you could. You, you, I'm you might be the, surprised. I'm, one, I'm the one with long hair smoking dope. <laughs> it's like the no. footage is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you never. If, if you got some time, I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. At Woodstock. Ooh. Oh, it was great. Wow, <laughs> this is a first yeah, and a very yeah, fortunate yeah. guest appearance here. All right, Johnny. Here we go. Here's your song number four. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa. 
makes me in my head. It's a, I could talk a, a, a long time about it. But what about you? What does it take? That is Simon and Garfunkel, by the way, yes. Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. Uh, you know, Simon and Garfunkel. I mean, Paul Simon. I don't know if it was maybe a year ago now, two years ago now, but he put out an album recently. No one probably has heard it. Whatever. It's just another incredible album, incredible songwriting, incredible lyrics, incredible production. He's been so prolific through the years, um, besides the songs and the albums that people know. Even after that period, all of his work has been just totally excellent. He's such a major, major mm-hmm. consistent talent with his lyrics and the melodies and his playing. And, uh, just uh, amazing, amazing uh, artist. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're listening to these tunes now. The, the first two, the <coughs> first one was really a pop song, the, the Four Seasons. Yeah. You know, it had a rock feel to it. The second one was Chuck Berry, so that really rocked out. You had rock guitar. The other stuff we're listening to, even The Who, is acoustic guitar. And it, just recently, it, it really struck me, because I've been playing in rock bands for so many years, Acoustic guitar is really my first instrument. It was the instrument I started on. <coughs> it's the instrument I've written almost all my songs on. If I've written on any instrument at all, it's been an acoustic guitar. Mm. So the rock songs and some pretty rocked out songs through the years were all written on acoustic guitar. Uh, <coughs> What's the longest relationship you've had with an acoustic guitar? Do you have one in your collection that you've had for a long time? No, I've never. I've traveled around so much. You know, I never held on really to anything. Mm. Uh, I have pictures. I had one actually. Come to come, uh, come to think of it, there was one that I played with, uh, with the band, with the Michael Stanley band. It was an acoustic guitar that uh, we used in the live recording because we did a little double live album, which was our big album and uh, is still pass. very popular. Stage Pass album, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it had it had my my song again was a single on the record, but charted. And, mm-hmm. um, I had played an acoustic guitar on that show and I had had that up until maybe two three years ago what is what does it actually mean uh, when you chart I mean to be honest with you I have no idea what what significance that is but I know that I hear it in every rock documentary but then we charted in 30 you know whatever yeah what's that mean you know the top 100 that's Mm -hmm. the chart Mm -hmm. and when you chart you get a position of the top 100 which means combination of things you know supposedly it means you've sold enough records to okay get to that point so it's, it's based on sales, sales of records. but it's also based sort of, yeah. on on uh how much airplay you get mm-hmm. and uh they call it top 40 radio for a reason the top 40 singles yeah. okay yeah. and then you know it's also there's always been payola too so that it plays a part in if you're in the in the, if you charted and uh, does does it work out in the writer's favor? I mean, did you benefit from? I mean, is, is, is it a big? I guess what I want to ask, and it might be inappropriate, but is it a is it nice money when you chart? Is if that you chart high, yeah, I never charted high enough to make nice money. It's a prestigious thing. Yeah, like when I get five hundred likes on one of my Facebook posts, right. I've charted. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and, you're, and you're not making any money from no, it either. It's the same thing. thing. Well, it's the same thing. No, no, but it, I mean, uh, there is there is a level of prestige. I know that in my acting resume, if I've got a legitimate credit, right. I'm getting like ten cent residuals. But yeah, right. I, I still, love it. I okay, still get that's what that is. To, okay, know, I make a couple hundred dollars a month or yep. a quarter or whatever it is. Yep, yep. It's actually, as it turns out, it's better for me now because I get stuff from streaming and live that I haven't seen in a long time. And, yeah. and you're and you're touring, like the extent of your touring was uh-huh. global. No, it was uh, the States. It was the States. Did yeah. you ever get to the East Coast? Like, uh, well, yeah, oh yeah, we played in New York City. and Yeah, we played New York City. We played... Like the, the college? Boston. Okay. Um, did, what did you play in Boston? Remember the channel by any chance? No, you don't I remember? Don't, I don't remember, yeah. 
What was the road like for you? How did you, was it work? Like? Well, it was fine at the time. I mean, I was, you know, 25 years old. So it was okay. fine. And 20, around 26, 27, I was already tired of it. Uh, I really was tired of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't do much touring after that. There's probably, there were probably times after that I would have been happy with to do it again, but it, the opportunity wasn't really there. So you've had this huge chunk of experience and singer-songwriter playing with great bands, doing some touring, and then you've explored other artistic venues and, and technology as well, web designing yeah. and all of this stuff. So mm-hmm. you, you're just kind of a guy who you know, has loose attachments, kind of wears life like a loose garment, you know. Yeah. Kind of a curious person. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, I like to – I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm, I feel – I'm grateful that I still have the capacity to learn. I like to learn new things. And Melissa's tamed you, though, to yeah, some well, degree. Yeah. Yeah. I can <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Just bring them to Sticks concerts. The things you'll do for the woman you love. You That's know, what it's all about, <laughs> man. That's so what it's all a, about. Where does Mrs. Robinson bring you? What does it make you think of? Uh, well, I remember the movie, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was it was a timely movie for me, um, The Graduate. Uh, but it, it takes t- actually takes me back to to high school and to art class because we used to be able to play albums in art class, and that would be one of the albums that we would play. Oh, cool. <sighs> Bookends, which is a wonderful album. Um, again, it's it's a song. It's like um, it's in my blood, you know, <laughs> really. It's just such a, such a complete part of me that, uh, you know, I was thinking what's, what's missing from this particular group of songs is um, anything by the Beatles. And I was thinking about it recently because, like I said, the Beatles were the first huge influence on me. They, to me, they were the masters. And when I was thinking about it lately, because I much more took towards the Stones, uh, listening to the Stones later on, Rolling Stones, and I much more related to their songwriter later on than I did to the Beatles. And I think it might be because the Beatles were too sophisticated for me. Hmm. Oh. I couldn't grasp it the same way that I could grasp the Rolling Stones. Um, Later in life, I started to get a better idea of what they were doing. But when I was younger, if you told me to sit down and learn a Beatles song, it was difficult for me to do, whereas I could always learn a Rolling Stones song. And I could understand the two-part harmonies a lot better than I could understand the, the three- or six-part harmonies. That, you know, I mean, the, the Beatles would do all sorts of weird things. Uh, I wasn't musical enough. with My ear wasn't sharp enough to pick it up. For as much as the Beatles liked the Beach Boys and what they were doing, did that ever resonate with you, the Beach Boys? Oh, yeah, that definitely resonated. Yeah. Yeah, I loved uh, um, Good Vibrations. I mean, and, uh, yeah. I get around. The Beach Boys, yeah. were, you know, they were very much also there. Is there a nugget to Mrs. Robinson? Only that um, they never wanted to record this song, but the director of The Graduate was like, he heard it, and he was like, please adapt this for the film. And they were like, okay. Was that Buck Henry that directed? Mike Mike oh, Nichols, Mike Nichols yeah. did. Okay, yeah. I heard uh, the original demo of Mrs. Raj, uh, Mrs. Robinson. Really? Yeah, and it doesn't sound at all like this. I can understand why they didn't want to do it. <laughs> but the version they came up with here, which is entirely different, is just another magical. Makes me wonder, like, what did the director hear? Like, what was he hearing? <laughs> no, you need to just adapt it for the film. Yeah. Okay. He just must have liked it, I guess. Well, and her, well, it was Mrs. Robinson. I don't know if that came. What came first, the 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 the, the soundtrack or the name of the character? Yeah. Well, they actually. I also saw this while I was researching this song, but they there's a theory that they actually wrote this song about Mrs. Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt's wife. Oh. And that the, some of the lyrics kind of suggest that maybe they're they're talking politically <laughs> in that song, but they changed it. 
to Mrs. Robinson for the film. You've seen The Graduate, right? No. Oh, good. It's so hot. Is it? <laughs> it is, it's, it's a date night, to believe me. Okay. Yeah. And it's really cool, too, because for me, like, The Graduate, growing up, my, my both my grandpas were World War II generation, and their households were, you know, 60s, you know, that kind of, I forget what, swingers, 60 kind of households, and, and, and my mom and dad were straight hippie I mean just and my uncles and aunts and it was just the flower generation and you know I remember being a little kid and and having to choose you know between which which one do I really want to gravitate toward Mm. and and you know as I hear you talk about it I'm remembering the people and the personalities that came in and out of my mom and dad's lives very colorful characters you know all different backgrounds it was really a, a, a special time that wasn't at all forced and I think that you know, brand identity now is really important and, and self-awareness and mm-hmm. what we do now as artists and actors. We're, we're just a little bit more poised. And, and I don't want to belabor this point, but I do remember seeing a Dick Cavett uh, episode where Crosby, Stills and Nash came from Woodstock directly on a helicopter right. into the studios in New York. Uh-huh. And they still had mud all over their jeans. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was such a natural yeah. interview. There wasn't there wasn't my album's going to drop and like this need to kind of be sharp and onto it. It was mm. these people that my parents knew they were, you know, my grandparents were like, well, here comes that weirdo, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there, there, there was an effortless weirdo. There, there wasn't any trying oh, to be yeah. a weirdo. That was yeah. Eric Burton, the guy that does mime, you know, and it wasn't, he wasn't having to explain himself. So I'm kind of mm. getting that vibe in that time. It was mm-hmm. just sort of, Let's let it happen, and so, I mean, we could go. Yeah, on it was it was very innocent. I'm fan. Nice. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't help but and believe me, if we don't want to go down this road, we don't have to. But politically, do you have any memories of where you were politically at the time? I mean, Martin well, Luther I was, King. I, and, I was worried about going to Vietnam. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to go to Vietnam, and as it turned out, that's when they had the the, the lottery, and I was high enough in the lottery I didn't have to go to mm-hmm. Vietnam. So mm-hmm. I went to college, and that was the last thing I thought about it. But that must have been horrifying. Yeah, I just I didn't really have the personality for it. And when you think about the politics going on today in 2020 and going on in 65, 66, 68, do you draw any kind of comparison or is there do you think about that kind of stuff or are you kind yeah, of I remote? do, but I I try to stay away from it, you know. It's, uh-huh. I, just simply because it's it's so dividing between people now. Mm-hmm. I mean, people used to have their their personal uh, political beliefs and that's what they would not everybody but many people would have it and that's that you know they go they'd have their secret ballot and they they make their vote and then that was it yeah my grandma would never t- say who are you voting for grandma i ain't saying nothing yeah yeah mm-hmm. and now you know. yeah and now it's like everybody's getting pushed away from everybody else because of i don't go for that you so know? you're gonna make the music yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I have I have my own strong feelings about it but i'm okay. not gonna try to sell them to anybody else gotcha yeah. gotcha Thank you. Which actually beautifully segues into our next song, your song number five. Right, the band we've been talking about all episode. <laughs> Hello, the Rolling Stones, Street Fighting Man. Damn. Why, Damn. why this such a great song? Record. Yeah, why this song? Uh, really, because of uh, Keith Richards' guitar. That's uh, really, the, really the thing. It could have also been um, 
uh, Give Me Shelter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. guitar in that. It could have been a lot of songs. It could have been Jumping Jack Flash. It could have been uh, Tumbling Dice. His guitar playing for me, his rhythm guitar playing, uh, <coughs> is, has always really spoken to me. It's always really grabbed me, jumped out at me. I mean, I've loved and I've been really influenced by Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix, and in particular Eric Clapton. Um, really influenced my lead guitar playing, but rhythmic guitar playing, I'm right there in the in the, uh, the same camp as Keith Richards. At least I like to think I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, his the tuning he uses, the open G tuning. I've used that a lot through the years. I've used it a lot on acoustic songs that I've written. Many acoustic songs I've written have been written in open G. Um, and this record, the time frame of this record, which was I don't know, sixty nine, seventy, whatever it was, um, Jimmy Miller was a producer of the band and he had produced Traffic before he produced the Rolling Stones uh, brilliant guy he really brought he was really the sixth member to me anyway of the Rolling Stones he brought in brilliant arrangement ideas and the feels of the records he was able to, to capture the looseness of the Rolling Stones which they'd always been they'd been kind of like they'd been kind of like the Beatles before in that the pop songs they'd been doing pop songs that were rock songs too, but they they were very kind of tight and never as tight as the Beatles. You know, they weren't ra- never arranged as tight as the Beatles, but they were more trying to go in that direction because that was the sound. And then when Jimmy Miller came in, things got a little looser while they still stayed with these great hooks and the great playing and the great groove and uh, the great songwriting. You know, so it's really that that um, rhythm guitar sound to me is the thing that just lights me up every time I hear it. You know, and these five songs that you brought to us today. Uh, are part of uh, a performance that you're going to be doing a little bit later this year. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be doing... Uh, it's been scheduled for April. We'll see if it happens in April. Uh, I'm going to be doing a storyteller song back east in Cleveland, Cleveland okay. Ohio, um, at a place called The Music Box, which is down in the flats. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, well, why don't you like tell your story with the song? I said, that's, that sounds interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not just going to do my songs. I'm going to do the songs that really played a big part in... Uh, that make you who out, you are. Yeah, yeah, mapping out who I am and who I am as a songwriter. That would yeah. be so cool to see. Is that going to be recorded or anything like that? I don't that? think it's going to be recorded. It's just, it's too much. Um, people have said, oh, you should make a DVD of it. Yeah, I can't really concentrate on that. i got to concentrate I know on a guy in Highland Heights. I'll get him down there with his little camera. <laughs> his camera and I bootleg that son of a bitch. Yeah, with his, with his phone, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, very cool, huh? Mm. Yeah, I love it. And actually, what's interesting, why this segue is so great, this is like the most political that the Rolling Stones did get. This came out right around the time that the Democratic National Convention was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And right after that, the, it was just protesters and police in the streets, and it was very violent at that time. And so radio stations stopped playing this song mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, we don't want anymore. We don't want violent. We don't want to be the reason that it's so chaotic. Mm-hmm. And so from then on out, the Rolling Stones were like, yeah, we don't want to associate ourselves with that. And we'll just stay, we'll stick to rock and roll and love and, f- you know, feeling we get that, you know, and, and the devil. Oh, <laughs> 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 <Well>, that, that <laughs> guy. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that they were like, nope, radio stations, are no more. That's it. I mean, if you listen, it. if you listen to the lyrics of it, they, I mean, they really back, back down from it. Mm-hmm. You know, cause the, the, the chorus, um, what can a poor boy do except to play in a rock and roll band? Because uh, there's, uh, there's just nothing, nothing here in London, you know, lazy London town. You know, mm-hmm. There's no street fighting men here, something like that. You know? Yeah, really great, Faye Five. Your concert is going to be amazing, and I'm 
jealous that all those people in Cleveland get to oh, get to experience you. that. So yeah. thank you for sharing all of those songs with us on Moytune Shuffle. Yeah. We're going to take a brain break and play a little game called Band Name and Bar Name. That's right, Maggie. It's time again for Y-Tune Shuffle's Band Name or Bar Name, the game show that asks our guests to play along with Maggie Mayfield in determining whether or not the name that I read off is the name of an actual band or the name of a club. Bar or restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Very simply, I'm going to read off two names. One of them is going to be the name of a band. The other one is going to be the name of a bar. You've got to decide which is which. And the the, the hook to this, the rub, as it were, is that we travel all over the world, you know, and find different locations based on our previous guest. And as you know, our previous guest, Quentin Flynn, who's in the bullpen right now, is from Cleveland, Ohio, and he picked Cleveland, Ohio. So if you don't win this game, I don't know. What, Melissa's going to be – you're going to have to listen to Sticks for a whole month, I think. So uh, let's, let's go for a little walk, a little walk and roll here <clears throat> down, uh, down the streets of Cleveland. And uh, we might be happening upon a, a bar called the Post Road. It's got some great food, and they play live music, and I'm suggesting maybe that we're in Cleveland right now. Let's go to the Post Road, shall we, Mm -hmm. and hear some music. We could um, also uh, check out Vault, who will be playing there. Vault is a a, a rockin' band. You're going to love them. They do covers and a lot of originals. Or I could just as easily say, let's go to the Vault and listen to Post Road. Mm. And now you've got to think, now which is the band name and which (laughs) is the bar name? Is Vault the name of the bar or the name of the band? I would say probably, I'd say Vault is probably the name of the, the bar. That's what I was thinking, and too. And Post Road is probably the name of the band. Okay. Post Road is a Post Malone cover band. <laughs> okay, so Post Road is the name of the, you guys are agreed on that. Yeah. All right, well, here comes your answer right about now. If you happen to be at uh, 2017 9th Street in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> zip code 44115, or you call 216-331-6327. Oh, come on, just get to it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be checking out this bar called The Vault. Oh! <laughs> yes, nice indeed. Landed. Yes, indeed. Nice and Post landed. Road, let's learn a little bit about Post Road. And I need new glasses, it turns out today, I'm realizing. Um, <laughs> po- Post Road is, uh, is an energy-packed six-piece country band based in Northeast Ohio. Post Road plays the top 40 country music of today mm-hmm. as well as original music. You'll love the sound of this band and bar owners. Love the crowds they generate. So you can find them at, at Post Road Country. That's their fan page on Facebook. And you can call them directly at 330-840-8451 for a booking. Thank you, our Cleveland friends. And thanks you both for playing Y-Tune Shuffles, <laughs> bar name or band name. I get a lot of mileage out of this. This is my claim to fame on the show. This is my time to shine. Now, Jonas, your, 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 your job is you've got to take us somewhere for next week's show, anywhere in the world where I can research band names and bar names so we can play the game next week. Like decide right now? Yep. Oh, we Just are a, a week city. or so. <laughs> I'm expecting Jonas to say, I don't care. Anywhere. <laughs> not really. Trying to think of some place that would be funny or interesting. Your banner, not banner, rabbit out of your hat. First place you went on tour. Oh, gosh. <laughs> God, I don't know. Oh, how about uh, Prescott, Arizona? Prescott, Arizona. Not too yeah. far from here, at top of the mountain. Prescott, Arizona, it'll be. Yeah. And that'll be where we'll be next week. That's been it. <laughs> Thinking very hard, we would love to hear the memory of your very first concert, which you alluded to earlier. Right, yeah. <clears throat> first concert, <clears throat> my dad was uh, was great. He um, he knew how much I liked music and rock bands, 
and there was a uh, a show in Cleveland. It was either called at this time. I'm not sure if it was the Big Five show or the Upbeat show because mm. it was it changed names at one point. Um, and they had a house band on there, and they also had the Grasshoppers that would play, and then a bunch of local bands, and also bands that would come through the city would play there sometimes. And um, they had a concert. They had a, you know a, a team concert downtown. Um, I think it was probably at the Allen Theater. Might have been at the Palace Theater. And my dad dropped me off in front of the place. There was no big bands there. It was just you know bands that were playing on the show. And he dropped me, and I think my brother, it was the two of us. I was like, you just by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I think it was with my brother, my brother and I. And uh, yep, I remember walking in there, and, you know, just all full of people, kids. They weren't kids to me. They were all older than I was. And making my way down to the middle. Not, not We didn't go up close. I wasn't comfortable enough to go up close. We went down about the middle way down into the middle, down all the seats to sit in the middle, and just sat there and watched the bands, and it was the coolest thing. Yeah. It was just so great. They had guitars and drums and singing and it was energy. Loud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was just great. I don't know what songs they played, but it was really good. Wow. And what about the last live music experience? That Most wasn't you performing that you enjoyed someone else performing. Last show you saw. What was the last show we saw? Look at me. Well we saw um I think that was the last one, but I'm going to go a little further because we recently Mel like Melissa likes to to see bands. Cool. And, and so I hadn't seen a lot of bands for quite a while, but uh, when I moved out here about five years ago, we started seeing a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while. So we saw Huey Lewis and the News. And oh, yeah. cool! And yeah. they were just great. They were probably the best of the people we saw. We saw great people, but the band was fabulous, and he was fabulous, and the, you know the, their their hits, the songs, all the great songs they mm -hmm. had. We saw Hall and Oates, always, always great. Always great. Yeah. Um, we saw um, Brian Adams, just great. Steve Miller, just great. Cool. And, and these are all because Mel loves to go see yeah. the shows. I, I realize I probably wouldn't have gone. And there were some other ones too. Do you remember anything else that we saw? No. We saw Barry Gibb. Barry Gibb. Barry Gibb's a great talent. You know, he's a great yeah. talent. That's all I'll say. Um, awesome. Nothing else. Oh, right. We saw the Eagles. <laughs> we saw the Eagles. I think it was the last tour. The last tour, I think, with, with Glenn, I think. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it was it was the one that uh, Bernie Taupin played. Not Bernie Taupin. Bernie, um, Bernie, Bernie Leiden, yeah. Bernie Leiden was on tour with them, too. Uh, so that was that was just great. They're always great. Yeah. Just a fabulous, incredible show. Incredible performances every time they play. Yeah, so we've seen a lot of really, really good acts. Good. I love that. Yeah. This has been so much fun. Now, you do have an album that just came out recently. Music, mm -hmm. is that how you say it? Music, right? Music. Yeah. Um, how do we find it? Where do we find you online if we want to talk more music, yeah. if that's okay? Yeah. What's your corner of the internet? Um, you can go to my website, which is jonacoslin.com. It, it's also jonah.co. Mm -hmm. You can get there shorter like that, jonah.co. Um, and my albums are all up there. A lot of different albums through the years. Um, and um, also, I'm all over, uh, you know, iTunes and, and Amazon Music and Apple Music and Is it Google okay if music we follow you on Twitter too? Oh yeah, Twitter. I'm, I'm not or really on, on Twitter now. I'm on Instagram okay. and I'm on Facebook, and you can follow me on, on each of those. Jonah Coslin. Okay. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Thank you thank so you. much, Jonah, for thank your you time and your energy and bringing these songs. Yeah. And thank you, Melissa, for, for hanging out. Quentin Flynn, of course, honorable mention. For putting mentor. us all together today yeah. for us, Quentin. And David Earl Wannerman, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. You're the best co-host ever. Thank you to the copper still. So if you've been hearing music and, and all kinds of stuff in the background, every Wednesday I do a comedy show here. So we are just pre-gaming before the game. Uh, I've been Maggie Mayfields. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share. We're on all the socials, too, at Y-Tunes Shuffle. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.